Welcome back, OTRs, to another episode of The Cutting Edge. Today's episode is going to look into how dietary restriction can improve feed efficiency of your inefficient lactating cows. Now, the big three takeaways from this article. Number one, we need to facilitate a mental shift from total pounds of milk shipped or average per cow per day on our operations to improving efficiency. And this is going to be an important transition that I think we'll see a lot of producers thinking about more in the current economy. It seems we're finally seeing people paying attention to the economic inputs of feed cost, even in their homegrown feeds, and understanding the importance of that in terms of overall efficiency of the dairy. Hopefully, this will open up some avenues for us to consult in areas with huge potential upside for our clients, opening doors that may have not been opened before. Our second big takeaway is that there's an economic break-even point at which it may make sense to reduce feed offered to inefficient cattle and still come out money ahead even with the reduction in their production after that restriction. Targeting that point and understanding where it is will be key for providing clients advice about attempting this type of strategy. We'll cover that much more in depth in the article. The third big takeaway is that inefficient cows fed the same TMR as efficient cows have a 25% higher dry matter intake, which is driven by a 23% faster eating rate and a 23% bigger meal size. This leads to inefficient cows consuming more dry matter and digestible energy beyond their energy needs, resulting in excess energy losses and reduced feed efficiency. Finally, OTRs, the ultimate message from this article is that while not always economically feasible, the monitoring, identification, and alternative management of inefficient cows on a dairy operation can have positive impacts on that operation. While continued research is done on the genetic components of inefficient cows, it's important to note that more aggressive management of our current inefficient cows can provide positive results in the meantime. To learn more about this great article of yours, stay tuned. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTRs. Today's article is titled, Dietary Restriction Improved Feed Efficiency of Inefficient Lactating Cows. This research was done in Israel by Ben Muir and 10 other authors. And the objective of this research was to study the way that we could reduce voluntary dry matter intake to increase feed efficiency of basically pre-classified inefficient dairy cows by restricting their feeding. Kind of bringing back that old concept of the high-low pen and looking into the economic viability of that. 
there's a couple interesting foundational pieces of information here I want to share with you before we get right into the heart of the article. First off, researchers such as Block and Hamichi are working on efficient and inefficient cow classification methods for genetic merit and for matching dry matter intake to known feed efficiency of the animal. So there's going to be good research coming out, and I know there's already a genetic index that's been patented, I believe by select sires, maybe um, by sexing, that actually rates these cows on efficiency. So we're going to see some more revolution or evolution, I should say, of the overall efficiency of a cow at a genetic level, as well as at the feed level that we'll talk about in this study. POTS in 2015 and Z in 2016 found that the difference in efficiency among cows are most influenced by dry matter intake rather than milk production and body weight change. This was confirmed by Ben Muir in 2018, who looked closely at it and found that inefficient cows fed the same TMR as efficient cows have a 25% higher dry matter intake, which is driven by a 23% faster eating rate and a 23% bigger meal size. This led to inefficient cows consuming more dry matter and digestible energy than they needed, extending beyond their energy needs, resulting in excess energy losses and reduced feed efficiency. Recent measures have shown that reducing feed intake can improve energy-corrected milk per pound of dry matter intake. Cavallini, in 2018, showed that reducing feed intakes on a low roughage TMR by 3.6% improved feed efficiency. And Wheelock in 2010 and Ferretto in 2014 showed that intake restrictions of 7.6% and up to 25% on a 50% forage diet also improved that pound of energy corrected milk per pound of dry matter intake. Fisher in 2019 showed that decreasing feed intakes on low efficiency cattle on a high forage diet by up to 13% did not produce a statistically significant change in overall feed efficiency, meaning you could drop those intakes and maintain efficiency. So we can see this foundation being established here in this background information of reduction of feed intake and its minimalistic impact on overall milk production, but improvement or status quo of energy corrected milk per pound of dry matter intake. This study was done in Israel and the cattle were housed in the common Israeli system. If you don't know that, that's those, those kind of dry lot shaded open barns with free access to water. And the cows were milked three times a day, and then milk yield, components, body weight, laying times, rumination, and digestibility were all monitored in this study. The majority of Israeli-fed dairies, as well as this study, are fed a single TMR, sometimes twice a day, and are milked three times a day. And dry matter intakes range from 55 to 72 pounds per cow per day uh, for cows yielding over 88 pounds of milk per day. And this, they thought, led to overeating, especially in low-efficiency cows. In this study, the researchers identified 12 pairs of inefficient cattle, as defined as cows with residual feed intakes of greater than 6.6 pounds. Now, some of you probably don't know what residual feed intake is, because I know I didn't know it, so maybe you're in the same boat, or maybe you're all smarter than me, but residual feed intake is calculated by taking actual feed intake minus expected feed intake, as based on the physiologic maintenance demand, body or daily body weight gain based upon body condition score, and fat-corrected milk 
production-based demands. So basically, physiologic maintenance, weight gain, and milk production would tell you how much feed they should be eating versus how much they're actually eating. On this dairy, the average, and this is across everybody, not just efficient and inefficient, across the entire dairy, the residual feed intake average of this dairy was 3.3 pounds. With the inefficient cows, again, averaging more than 6.6 pounds of RFI, or again, residual feed intake. The 12 pairs of cattle were paired based upon dry matter intake, days in milk, energy corrected milk, energy corrected milk per pound of dry matter intake, and RFI, again, residual feed intake. They were then divided into two groups, one animal going to the ad lib feed group and another one going to a group that was restricted by 12.8% of dry matter intake. They were then fed a traditional Israeli ration, which is actually a low roughage ration consisting of about 36.5% dry matter. And most of that roughage in that ration comes from wheat, hay, and corn silage. And we'll discuss this a little bit more later on, but this is traditionally a little bit different than we see in North America. Obviously, we have a little bit higher roughage ration over here, but uh, this is the ration that was fed in the study and probably does have some implication in the overall results. So now before we get into the discussion, let's just talk about what the authors were able to conclude. The authors concluded that a 13% feed reduction in cows that were inefficient, according to, again, that residual feed intake calculation, increased the efficiency of the animals or the energy corrected milk per pound of dry matter intake over inefficient cows that were fed at lib. Now, this effect was not enough to overcome the economics of the energy corrected milk drop at the time of this study because the study was done in 2018, compiled in 2019. But it did encourage further research into the reduction of feed intakes and how to prevent their associated energy-corrected milk drop. Interestingly, again, this research was done in 2018 and 2019. And in Israel, they have a much more favorable market condition in terms of a quota-type system. And the authors deemed this paper to be an economic negative consequence. But I think in today's market, we have a unique opportunity to revisit this scenario and place new value on the potential feed restriction, especially if we don't see a return to normal prices soon. So getting right into now my thoughts on this article. I think today's article is more about stimulating this mental shift from total pounds of milk shipped or average per cow to more of a improved efficiency. I think this is an important transition we'll see producers thinking more about in the current economy. It seems that we are finally seeing people paying attention, or I should say more attention, to the economic inputs of feed costs, even on homegrown feeds. And hopefully this will open up avenues for us to consult in areas that have huge upside on our client side. A lot of their operating costs, 40 to 60% is feed related. So if you can improve that overall efficiency, we can have even more potential than maybe things that we're doing like changing vaccines or things like that, that are saving them a couple of cents a dose. And now we can talk about a couple of cents per cow per day. So obviously huge potential. Now, that being said, I think we still need to revisit the concept we talked about last week, Thursday, and that's concentrating really on where your farm's goals or where your dairy's goals are at. If your operator still cares about milk per cow, and I have people like that more than about efficiency, then this podcast probably isn't going to help you as much with that client. 
It's kind of a losing fight if your producer isn't ready for that transition. And all you can do is plant the seeds of information about the impact of feed efficiency in their head and kind of wait for them to <laughs> let them sprout. But to learn more about that um, and to get yourself in the right mindset for implementing this on their dairy, go back and listen to that Thoughts from the Truck episode number 44, Creating a Consulting Program, and it will help you facilitate this type of discussion. It's just going to give you a nice little roadmap um, to getting your clients to start thinking about this improved feed efficiency. Now, in this study, researchers thought to improve feed efficiency of the lowest efficient cows by reducing their feed intakes. And they the decided to reduce these feed intakes by about 13% of the ration, which ended up actually being about eight and a half pounds of dry matter. Now, I mentioned this in the conclusion section, but the important difference between the Israeli ration and the US ration is the percent forage and roughage. This Israeli ration had a 36.5% roughage, which would be a very, very small roughage in the US and in North America in general. And there's a similar study to this one that was actually done by Fisher out of uh, France in 2019. They actually published very, very close to each other that did a similar efficient standard analysis that looked at a ration reduction as well in inefficient cows, again, of 13% of the ration, but that ration actually fed a roughage diet of 65%. So from time to time, I'm going to drag some of the information from that study into this thought section to try and make it a little bit more applicable. But I think that it is something to keep in mind as we do this study. Um, I think there's probably a translative effect, but we don't know for sure. Now, in our original Israeli study, the 13% dry matter intake drop resulted in a corresponding 7.7% loss in milk yield. But the researchers saw increases in milk components versus the ad-lib cows. So it was those inefficient cows that were restricted versus those inefficient cows that were fed ad lib. And that actually resulted in only about a 5.3% drop in energy corrected milk. So basically, we only saw a small drop in milk from these inefficient cows by turning them back quite a bit. Again, 13% decrease in dry matter intakes and only a 5.3% drop in energy corrected milk. And this is where I want to run you guys through a little bit of an exercise so you can kind of understand the economic impact of such a change. I'm going to have a really, really interesting um, little kind of heat map again for you guys. I'm going to put it up onto the Operators to Owners Facebook group. Again, OTO Vets forward slash Facebook. You can join there. Uh, that will show you a little bit of the economic impact at the parameters that I run this particular, particular scenario for you guys but you can kind of play around with that. I've locked the spreadsheet so you can change the factors um, to give you a little bit of better idea how this actually looks based upon the study. This exercise, let's just start with the intake and production results. The Israelis restricted intakes in one pair of cows by 13%. Again, an eight and a half pound reduction of dry matter intake. If we assume a ration cost of, let's just say 650, which would be, I think, in my experience, pretty close to average, that would save the producer about 84 cents per cow per day at a 13% ration cost reduction. The dry matter intake drop corresponded with, again, a 4.4 pound reduction in energy corrected milk, or that 5.3% of energy corrected milk. Now this is where things get a little bit gray and you gotta hang on with me here. There's not really a good value for energy corrected milk because it's difficult to determine what's causing all that extra energy pull. 
So some cows are going to have a higher protein, some are going to have higher fat. As that fluctuates, it's going to depend on which one of those components goes up or down in the current market value. So it's really hard to assign a particular value to a pound of energy corrected milk. However, if I look back on some of the economic spreadsheets I've done lately for my clients, a pound of additional energy corrected milk is usually valued somewhere between negative uh, 25 cents or up to positive 75 cents at that $17 milk value. The last time I ran this economic value for my client in March, um, or one of them I should say, it equated to an average across the herd of about 17 and a half cents per pound of energy corrected milk. Let's just take a conservative number that says a pound of energy corrected milk is valued at 25 cents at $17 milk, just to make the numbers really easy. So if the cow drops 4.4 pounds of energy corrected milk, we can expect a corresponding dollar and 10 cent loss in overall revenue from that milk drop. That means that we save 84 cents in ration costs, but lost a dollar 10 in overall milk generated at $17 milk, not economically viable with $17 milk which the authors again concluded in this 2019 study. But if we account for the current milk price drop, and that would put us somewhere between 10 and $15, at least in my Wisconsin's kind of upper Midwest price range. So let's just say somewhere between 10 and $15. So now if we take those values, let's just say we're going to take a hundred weight value of right in the middle between 10 and 15 at 1250. And we use our $6.50 ration. That's actually the break even point for doing these reduced feed costs and being okay with the reduced production. So 1250 milk and 650 ration cost means that reducing overall feed provided to these inefficient cows by 13% and also losing the milk associated with that is actually a break even point. And again, I'm going to put together, or I should say it is put together. I'm going to put up a cool little heat map that kind of shows you where the break-even points are for rations varying from $4.50 to $10 per day and milk varying from $17 all the way down to $10. Now, I don't want you guys to use it as a direct consulting tool. Um, I'd rather have you use it as a visual to kind of help you work through this equation or this problem in your head. It's unproven. Uh, I haven't used it in the field to consult with anybody. I take no um, liability associated with it. Uh, I put it together after I read this article because I wanted to visualize where the break-even points were at each one of these different feed values and each one of these different milk values. So I'll provide it to you guys. In this spreadsheet, there'll be a couple yellow boxes and you can change some of the inputs such as um, how much the cows are eating per day, how much you want to reduce them, energy corrected milk value, and then um, current milk value basically. So you can look at all of those things and kind of play with that system a little bit and see what you think. But um, that's a tool I kind of made for myself to understand the information from this article a little bit better. And I'll provide it to you guys a little bit, maybe midway through the week here. Now, adding to the complexity of this scenario is the ration difference between U.S. or North American dairies and Israeli dairies with the difference in roughage. Again, the Israeli ration containing that 36.5% roughage. Now, if we want to look at another study on a different spectrum, we can go back to that French study from Fisher from 2019 where they had that 65% roughage ration, which is probably more representative of what we'd see in North America. And that study didn't prove any statistical significance in an energy corrected milk drop, which would actually make this much more appealing to us on that higher roughage ration. 
they did see a drop, but again, it was not statistically significant. So that's important to take on. It was significantly higher than this study, but again, no statistical significance. This is something that's kind of this gray area, again, for us in North America that are feeding that higher rough ration, that we just need a little bit more research kind of on our side of the pond to prove this, if this factor works or not, as well as maybe a study investigating the ability to identify inefficient animals via collars or the other technologies we kind of have available on this side of the pond. Hopefully these calculations that I gave you before and some of this background information from the other French study can give you something that you can share with producers that are considering this route for improved production efficiency in this economically trying time. After we're done, we're kind of dove into some deep stuff there. I'd like to provide you guys with a little bit of a longer term vision for the rest of this research. And that's just giving you pieces of information that will help you understand how inefficient cows just come to be and how they are actually inefficient and potentially how you can improve efficiencies on the dairy. Ben Meir in 2018, previous study to this one, found that inefficient cows tend to eat larger meal sizes and eat at a faster rate than more efficient cows. We talked about that kind of as one of the foundational studies. And that suggests that there may be a component of rate of passage to this inefficiency. The current study found that cows fed ad lib did have less rumination time per pound of dry matter intake, even though they had longer lying times. And that may suggest that they are not efficiently converting feed to usable byproducts as well as efficient cows are and potentially are at risk for additional weight gain due to less movement. By reducing feed intake in these cows, it appears the researchers in the study were able to improve ruminal efficiency even though inefficient and efficient cows had the same overall digestibility when they analyzed the fecal results. Another really cool feature of this study, and I'll put it up on Facebook, is a graph they showed where they showed these ad lib cows and these dietary restriction cows in the times that they ate. And what they found is that these cows ate basically at the exactly the same times, but the ad lib cows ate longer and ate more frequently overall. And those meals lasted about 37 minutes, which is actually, again, another interesting background fact, normal as compared to Allen and Bradford's 2006 research in dairy cattle, which showed that it takes about 35 to 40 minutes for their physiologic response to meals, basically they absorb nutrients, to reach the brain triggering meal termination. But the ad lib cows in this study on average ate longer and more frequently than the restricted cows. You couple this with the earlier Ben Muir 2018 research that said they will also eat 23% larger meals and 23% faster. You can see how the unregulated version of these cows, these highly inefficient cows, can quickly become more and more inefficient, snowballing. Interestingly, those behaviors that increase overall dry matter intake have been shown to affect energy corrected milk per dry matter intake efficiency negatively. Confirming the thought that cows you always see eating are probably your most inefficient cows. While this technique may not be able to be monitored or implemented on our current modern dairies to the extent that it was in this study, without the availability of things like solo feeders, multiple tracking points, component tracking, all of that, it's still important to note that you can have an impact on these less efficient cows if you can identify them. 
And that's going to be key in today's economic state, as well as into the future as efficiencies become more and more of a key metric on your dairies. Simply being armed with the knowledge we talked about today in this study, about this budding research, about the potential for genetic impact, will facilitate discussions with your producers that may not have occurred before. And you should use that knowledge to help them make decisions that will allow them to more closely monitor these efficiencies in the long term, whether that's implementing new systems, new tracking software, or making correct genetic choices. No matter what, don't let the lack of research stop you from implementing these ideas, OTRs. There are plenty of kind of light versions that you could do of this research, especially with some of the cow-side monitoring programs that are out there and currently evolving. I really do look forward to hearing how you implement this information in the future. So be sure, OTRs, to stop by the Facebook group. If you're not already a member, stop by at otovets.com forward slash Facebook and share your story or your conversation you have with your clients about this topic. Until next time, OTRs, carry on. If you like this content and want more, you can stop by the Operators Owners website at otovets.com. There you can sign up for our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. You can also consume some of our original content at the blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. Thank you for joining us today and we'll catch you next time, OTRs.